All right, you're on the Arms Room Show with Glenn. And Drew. And Gabe. Oh, man. Gabe, two weeks in a row now. Yeah, I guess it's becoming a trend. Are. Gabe was like, oh, I don't really know if I want to be on the show. And then after last week's show, he's like, okay, that was actually kind of fun. <laughs> <clears throat> and today we're even talking about like a Gabe topic. So you're yeah, really going really to love it. A little it. bit. So thanks to all of our patrons for your support of the show. We appreciate uh, you guys keeping us going and also allowing us to do things like the Stop the Bleed programs that we do that are free to the public and schools and uh, local organizations, but <clears throat> obviously not free for us to do. But thanks to our patrons, we can do that. That's part of how we fund programs like that. If you're not on the alumni forum and you're an independence training student, please get on the alumni forum or we're changing and shifting more and more of our announcements uh, away from social medias and, and uh, newsletters and things like that. And we're putting it on to the alumni forum more and more. So make sure that you are participating in the alumni forum if you're an independence training student. Just go to our website, go up to the top right-hand corner of the top menu, and it says alumni forum. So that's where you go. Oh, let's see what we got going on. <clears throat> right to the news. Here's a here's an interesting story that has some interesting implications. <clears throat> so, a good Samaritan arrested after stopping New York City subway assault by firing warning shots. And here's an interesting way that they opened it up. A man with no criminal history who saved a woman from being attacked by a homeless man. So, consider that <clears throat> how they set people up. When you, when you read the news, you're being manipulated straight from the fucking word go. A man with no criminal history, which means he's never done anything wrong that we know of in the past, who saved a woman from being attacked by a homeless man. So they really set this guy up, right? This guy is a law-abiding hero, has been arrested and charged by the Manhattan DA with criminal possession of a firearm. Hold on a second. I thought this guy had no criminal history, and now he's criminally possessing a firearm that he's obviously carrying around with him and reckless endangerment because he fired a warning shot stopping the assault. All right. Now here's, <clears throat> I'm not demeaning this guy's willpower and desire to jump in and help. That's, that's really neat. Okay. But if you're going to break the law and you willingly and knowingly do so, then you willingly and knowingly are opening yourself up to whatever the consequences are. And you don't have to like the laws, but they do exist and they will be used against you at the best opportunity that the government has. They're going to fuck you with the laws. So, and then he discharges the firearm <clears throat> by firing warning shots. Now, not only did our president, then vice president tell everyone to basically go out and break the law, to fire two blasts in the air, whatever the fuck that guy said. But you hear that kind of shit said and repeated by a lot of people. Well, fire, just fire warning shots. Like, no, you don't fire warning shots ever. That is reckless endangerment and unlawful discharge of a firearm in most places in the city limits. Don't fire warning shots. If you're pulling your gun out, it should be because you intend on lawfully defending yourself or somebody else. I think this is a great example of something we always say is this guy's intentions were obviously good and he was trying to help this lady. So mm -hmm. like if everything, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Mm -hmm. And even though this guy was trying to do the right thing and all he had was the hammer. So if he would have had a little bit of combatives training or he could have made a better decision mm -hmm. and he wouldn't be getting fucked right now, even though, he, yeah, 
objectively he was trying to do the right thing. It's in the eyes of the law, very illegal, you know. And that's that's part of the issue too. And watching the video is particularly interesting because <clears throat> he pulls out his gun, he fires two rounds, and then he just kind of puts his gun away and walks away. So like Gabe's saying, it's not like this guy is really doesn't intend like he really jumps in there and really defends this lady. He, he's not actively engaged in her defense and then, and then pulls her to safety. Like if he'd fired his gun at the guy and then grabbed the woman and pulled her to safety and, you know, yep. rendered aid or whatever, like at that point I'm like, oh, okay, this guy is like legitimately. But the, when you watch the video, it does not look like he's very, he's like actively engaged in this defense. Yeah. Like this is in the old Westerns where there's a big fight in the bar and the mm -hmm. sheriff walks in and shoots one off, one off and everyone stops what they're doing. Yeah. And it's like, Oh shit. Now that I got yeah. everyone's attention. Yeah. It's like, you, yeah. you don't, you can't do that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people I'm reading some of the, uh, you know, comments on social media. People are saying things like, Oh, this guy steps up to protect people's life. And now a good Samaritan is facing charges. This is insane. He's well, okay. Samaritan. Yeah. So like yeah, he's, he's a mediocre. Yeah. Samaritan. <laughs> so here's, here's the reality. I'm not saying that people shouldn't help each other. Of course you should. That's part of what we teach. I'm not saying that this guy should necessarily have to face some kind of maximum penalty, but this guy is a moron. He pulled out yeah. a gun. Like Gabe said, all he had was a hammer. So that's all he fucking used. He fired two shots at the guy and then just fucking walks away. Th yeah. This is not a, a good, well thought out execution. This is a guy who carries a gun, probably has minimal training with it. If any, and even more so makes things worse. Now you don't have to like the rules. Guess why I don't live in fucking New York city. Yeah. That's the first problem. I mean, so I'm if sure you don't like these rules, if you're like, Oh, the D no shit. The DA is going after this guy. The DA goes after everybody like this. Yeah. And yeah, the criminal probably walks. Probably. Yeah. Probably already out on bail. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or I guess, no, they don't, they're not doing bail now up, up there. So they just let them walk. Good. My point being is you already know that the system sucks, but my job, but my family, then keep living in a shithole. I don't know what to fucking tell you. Yeah, him if probably you, just carrying that gun was probably fucking a felony. Oh, yeah, it was already illegal. Yeah, just like right off the bat, boom, we got you once. So, like, just, there's just, the, the news will spin the story any way that they want it. Again, right out of the gate, just reading these words, you can tell immediately they're spitting that story. In fact, on that note, I wanted to read you guys another thing um, that I read recently. Um, sorry, I got to look it up on my... Okay, so this was posted on Gun Policy, which is the uh, Firearm Policy Coalition... Or I'm sorry, Firearms, yeah, Firearms Policy Coalition's website. Uh, I didn't even know Rolling Stone was still a fucking magazine, but apparently it's a thing people still read. This is literally the title of the article. Mass murder is a choice... The gun industry made it. Okay, here's the here's the here's the intro to the article. Arms manufacturers pushed pushed more than 24 million assault weapons onto the American streets, one for every 10 adults, each designed with a single purpose to kill lots of people as fast as possible. Now, we can read an article like this and we know it's bullshit. Yeah. We read this and we go, okay, that's stupid bullshit. The other side reads it and they're like, oh, God, that's so true. Oh, How Karen, how could they do that? And it's like, yeah, you know what? I don't fucking care about what those people think. Yeah. I, we know it's bullshit. Here's my point about reading that. This fucking article is the same thing. It's, it's written by somebody 
who wants someone to feel bad for this guy. I don't fucking feel bad for this guy. Yeah. A man with no criminal history who saved a woman from being attacked. He did not fucking really save, save her. her no. And he obviously has a criminal history. Maybe he hasn't gotten caught by it. Let's talk about that. But he obviously makes a lot of fucking bad choices. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. My point is, is if you don't like the rules, then either change the rules or leave wherever those rules are. <clears throat> Otherwise, follow the rules or don't follow the rules and fucking go to prison. Or just have the training because this guy has training. He never even goes to the gun. No. Right? No. No. I'm on a – he was on a subway, right? A subway. Yeah. yeah. Or he was in the subway, in, in the subway like the, terminal. Like a confined space. Anyone who's been to New York and has ridden mm-hmm. the subway knows there's people everywhere. There's stuff going on. Trying to get a shot off in that environment – is already bad enough. Like if I could go hands on, if I r- really want to help this person for some reason, I'm going to go hands on. Mm. And guess what? That's not a felony to grab this guy, push him out of the way, do whatever, and then take the lady and help her. Not a felony, right? But now, because this guy's decision making, he's, he's done. So in that vein of uh, <clears throat> people making bad choices... Arizona woman dies in what is believed to be the first fatal elk attack in the states, in our state's history. All right. So a woman is dead eight days after sustaining an elk attack at her residence in the Pine Lake community uh, in Arizona. So her husband comes home to find his wife all fucked up on the ground. Looks like she's been trampled by an elk. Nearby, there's a spilled bucket of corn which led Game and Fish to suspect that she was trying to feed the elk. The husband called 911. Uh, wife's treated at the hospital, but doesn't matter. She dies. Very sad. Um, an officer visiting the community and placed warning signs on doors, urging people not to approach or feed elk. Roadside signs with the same message were also installed. Um, and he noted the presence of multiple elk tracks in the backyard where the elk, uh, so where the elk attack took place. Now, I, I want to I wanna mention some things here, all right? <clears throat> First of all, it turns out maybe otters aren't the most dangerous thing <laughs> out elk, there, all right? Oh elk now are on, <laughs> elk, on the list. There's an elk behind you! All right, so so now we got to watch out for fucking elk and otters. But elk right. have always been a thing to be a little afraid of. Well, this is a fr- – they're not – What? Are you talking? They're nothing to be. They're adorable. When they charge you with their antlers? This is the first fatal elk attack in state's history. So, no, they don't charge you with their antlers. Uh, they do in Wyoming. Okay. At yeah. Yosemite. Yes. On the Turons page, they fuck people up all or the time. Here's, here's my thing. It's very sad that this lady died. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's tragic. I'm going to preface with that. Now that we've said that. But you're not fucking Snow White. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And you look at the thing. It's a huge animal with sharp things on top of its head. You are in its home, mm-hmm. more than likely, because mm-hmm. it's probably some cabin out in the forest. Mm-hmm. And it's so it nice because mm-hmm. the animals come around. Mm-hmm. Well, it's an animal. Like, don't try and feed it. It's mm-hmm. huge. It will kill you, obviously. You know what I mean? If it disagrees with your decision-making processes, yeah. any wild animal out there, even an otter, can fuck you up. All right, they will fuck you up because they're a wild animal who has yeah. instincts that say survive. And yeah. you don't always know what might trigger them. Like if you've got a real dog, like a dog that has the, a, a wolf's head, all yeah. right, it actually descended from like, – if you have a pug, I'm sorry, it didn't fucking descend from wolves. Shih tzu. All right, it did not fucking descend from wolves. But if you have a dog that's like a wolf's head, do me a favor. Go home tonight. Look in that motherfucker's eyes. Yeah. 
Oh, I know. He loves you very much. He's very loyal. But in those fucking eyes, eat your face there's up. a fucking wolf. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> and my point being, that may be many, 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 many generations removed of being a wolf. Still there. But that is still an animal. And that's why when someone's like, I pet a dog and he's always so sweet. And then he just snapped and bit my hand. And you're like, because he's, he's a fucking wolf. Yeah. It's a fucking wolf right there. You know, yeah, he he may be your dog, and to any kids use him as a pillow, and he plays fetch with you, and whatever. But deep in his heart, there's still a wolf. Yeah. So now, if you take that and you put it out in the wild, every time people fuck with wild animals and they get killed, I don't feel bad for them. No, why are you fuck fucking with the animals? Just let them be. They're animals. huge. Let them do their thing. Stop fucking with wild animals. You know what I mean. And if you get fucked up by a wild animal, you fucking deserve it. Yeah. Now there's a couple of different um, interesting home invasion. Uh, situations that we had and, and privacy Mike sent these over to me um, and they're interesting. So we basically kind of a, a compare and contrast these two very particular robberies that happen in driveways. And we're starting to see more and more of these driveway robberies. And I don't think it's because there's more driveway robberies. I think it's because there's more people who have cameras so now we're catching them. So now we're catching a lot yeah. more of these robberies happening. Now, a lot of these things are happening, of course, in places where they're not harsh on crime. People don't typically carry guns, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? They're not happening in downtown Phoenix, but they are happening out there. So be aware of that. So in the in the first example, and this one happened in, excuse me for a second, I need to look it up. Uh, this was in Los Angeles, right? So a uh, guy comes home. Gets basically uh, approached and, and uh, jumped in his uh, in his driveways. He's approaching his front door. They have guns. He has a gun. He pulls the gun. They fucking run away. After he's, he does engage them, and they run away. In the second example of a driveway robbery, this happens in Chicago. Um, <clears throat> Great place. Yeah, phenomenal place. Uh, they roll up on this lady who has no tool. Of course, she does what everyone who has no fucking sense does, cowers. and she just cowers, and then they they roll her up, right? Steal her shit. So here's some compare and contrast concepts here. First of all, driveways and garages and front doors, especially if they're narrow entrances, are dangerous places. Choke points. Yeah, it's a choke point, right? It's, and it's a place where you are least likely to be paying attention. People, just like in parking lots, parking lots are the same kind of dangerous place because you're not paying attention. You're getting in out of the car. You're getting your stuff. I see people all the time. They open their door. Then they reach over and they're getting their stuff together. Like their door's wide open. Their back is to that opening and they're just getting their stuff, you know? And I, I just observe that all the time happening. People get in. Ladies get in. They sit there with the door open. They're messing around. They're on their phone, whatever. It's like. It's a very uh, vulnerable position yeah. in driveways. I see it happen with garages. People pull into garages. They leave the door open or they pull up. You know, the garage doors open. They're coming in and out of their house. All the doors open. You may not be able to avoid that. You're unloading groceries or whatever. But it exists. It's a problem still that exists. <clears throat> so I've got the garage door open. The car doors are open. You know, uh, the front door's obviously unlocked. I'm going in and out. I'm not totally aware. Someone is easy for someone to just slip past your car right in your garage. You step out of the house and boom, you're staring down the barrel of three people and with guns. You know, that's, that's a possible option. So understand that and try to remove as much as you can through all the other information we give out on these shows. Try to remove those variables as much as possible and reduce the ability for it to become a choke point. Now, here's the other compare and contrast thing. 
They obviously don't care about confronting you when there's multiples of them. So we know that. Um, and it's mostly they're getting people who aren't paying attention. And that's the first variable to remove. Just eyes up. I step out. I look around. I very obviously look around. And then I go get the next set of groceries. You know, I check before I go into the garage. I walk out. I obviously look around again. And I get the next set of groceries, right? Just little things that you can do. But they're getting these people when they're fixated on Something. whatever, yeah. right? getting the kids out of the car or whatever, right? And they're using what you could say are military or law enforcement style team tactics, which has always been beneficial, <clears throat> which is basically rushing the objective, yeah. right? Speed, surprise, and violence of action. Yeah, it's pretty easy. I mean uh, – a super common one that's happening now is when people, like you said, are driving in, there's someone waiting around the side of their house or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then as they get in, as the, before the garage door goes down, they just slip right in. Yep. Once you go into the house, then they start robbing you. Yeah. Or whatever. They can do whatever they want at that point. Um, yeah. <clears throat> that's been one that's been popping up a lot, especially now, like you said, with the ring cameras, I've seen a ton of videos of that exact robbery happening. Um, but it, it's, the, the criminals aren't looking for a, a super difficult take. No. You know what I mean? Not what they want. Like, they want to be quick, fast, in, out. Obviously, you never know how fast someone is willing to go to, like, extreme violence. But majority, I would say, aren't looking for a hard fight. So if they can catch you when your pants are down, ambush you with three people, mm. one guy stays with you, the other guys take all your stuff, and then they bounce. And they're expecting no resistance. Yeah. So that's the, the main too. contrast point on these two stories is that in one example, basically – totality of the circumstances, the stories are the same. Right. Different locations, et cetera. But overall the same. The big contrast point here is that in the first story, the guy has a gun, fights back, and the people run away. And in the second story, gal doesn't have shit and she just gets fucking robbed. Yeah. <clears throat> have tools to defend yourself. That day, we were talking about this the other day, uh, kind of a group of us were hanging out, and we were like, the day we don't, it's, yeah. it's always going to be that that time where you're like, man, it's like fucking 10 o'clock at night. I just, I just need to run to the gas station and get, you know, whatever fucking drink or something. I'm just going to throw on my board shorts and my flip flops and I'm just going to run to the gas. I don't fuck. I don't need it. Like it's right down the street. That's going to be the fucking time. The yeah. one time that you're ever going to finally get to fucking do this thing, this thing you've been preparing for and training for. I'm not saying you're looking forward to it, but like the one time you do yeah, fucking get you. to do it. It's going to be the one time you don't have your shit with you. Yeah. And it's definitely such an easier decision to just go, I'm just going to throw on my sweats and mm. take my phone and my wallet and my keys mm. and go. I just take the two minutes mm. to put on not even all of your things, no. but some of them. Throw a fucking fanny pack on, You know dude. what I mean? Like, throw a fanny pack on and put a fucking pistol in it. Like, yeah. they make them for camera. Don't just haphazardly do that, but like, you know, do it effectively and then practice out of that, of course. But, like, my point is you you, you don't have to throw on belts and yeah, have your, fucking pistols. Have your and, lazy setup. <clears throat> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, this is what I take mm -hmm. when I'm just – because, I mean, I honestly, I take everything with me I anytime I leave also, the house. Yeah. So I can't really say that, oh, I just grab, like, these two things and not these three because I honestly do take everything and it drives – But there are people who don't want to do that and that's fine. Yeah. But – What's Don't fuck? compromise <clears throat> the basics. So, uh, so be armed. Last news story I'm going to talk about today uh, happened in Australia. This is 
a very concerning thing. And this is something that we've been talking about on the show forever uh, and that I've been telling students and friends all the time is keep cash on hand. Now, there's a few things that you can keep on hand. And, and Gabe had an, a great point the other day. We were doing some private training for a student and we were talking about, you know, things that we carry around all the time. <clears throat> and Gabe has a silver coin, right? Yeah, it's a one ounce silver bar. Yeah, so he's got a one, one ounce silver in that he keeps in his wallet, right? Relatively lightweight, flat, doesn't weigh a lot. It's not very big. And it's something that you can carry around with you. And here's an ounce of silver. Okay, now what's an ounce of silver worth? Well, that's a pretty manipulated market, so the price is going up and down, but it could be worth anywhere from 20 to 70 bucks, right? Yeah. Up and down market all the fucking time. But even if it's 20 bucks on the low side, right? You still have 20 bucks and it's a precious metal, which means that this may get you farther than a $20 bill, which is a useless piece of shit. 100%. Or if I'm traveling somewhere and I don't have their dinar or whatever the fuck. Yep. I got a silver coin and silver, precious metals are precious metals everywhere in the world. Yeah. So keep what I call junk silver, which is I have, you know, silver dimes and silver quarters and all that kind of stuff. So I, I junk, you know, silver that I keep in my safe. And then I've got um, cash in various different denominations. So I've got ones and fives and tens and twenties and hundreds and whatever. Um, and so keep your extra cash with you. Um some of it with you, and then the rest of it, you know, obviously secured in a safe. But don't get so reliant on this now cashless society. I mean, look, COVID was utilized to obtain, I'm sorry, achieve a variety of different things. And we could do a whole fucking show on that. One of the things that they successfully did during COVID was convince people in a number of different ways to go cashless. And now when you go around, there's places that don't take cash. There are a lot of places now that no longer accept cash. You go to the fucking stupid hated self-checkout thing. There's some that are like, hey, card only, no cash. Uh, you know, you go to a coffee shop, no cash. You go to various different restaurants, no cash, cards only. You know, they'll take your Apple Pay. They'll even fucking take Venmo phone. sometimes. I can tap my phone. I can tap my card. No, everything is that way. You've got those fucking psychopaths putting their card information oh, as an serious. implant yeah. so they can use the handprint thing, right? Like, fuck all that. I'm definitely not going to do that. But my point is, is that's where society is headed and more and more and more. And why do they want this? Because this is all controllable. They can control you this way very, very easily. And they're getting what they want. And all of us are just handing it over. Yeah, We're just handing it over. If everything's electronic, okay, now I just shut it off. Mm -hmm. Yep. You now just you turn it off. you have no access to your money. So down in Australia, <clears throat> there was a uh, blackout from their company, Telco. And uh, the, the name of the article here, <laughs> the, the uh, article title, I should say, is Aussie Telco Blackout Chaos proves cash still remains king, right? So essentially what happened is it was all out madness because for, for several hours, there was no bank services. There was no card transactions. There was nothing. Yeah. And that's why I really like the concept. There was no of way to buy anything, pay for anything, get fuel, get food. Your money. You know what I mean? Mm. And it doesn't even have to be something crazy like, Gold is super expensive right now. Mm. It's like over $2,000 for an ounce. Mm. I think spot is right around there. Silver is much cheaper, and not many people keep up with precious metals markets. So if I pull out an ounce or a gram even, 
of silver and I'm like, hey, I need you to take me here <clears throat> or I need this service or whatever, mm. they probably don't know what it's worth right now. You know what I mean? So that could get me a very long way. And the other thing with cash is a lot of people carry cash. Oh, I keep $100 in my sock at mm-hmm. all times. Well, not everything's a $100 favor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. It might be a $20 favor. Now mm-hmm. it just turned into a $100 favor. Yeah, so if I can't make cash, cash if I can't, or if I can't make change and you want to pay with cash and you're like, hey, this bottle of water, this, you know, these two cases now of water you want bucks. are 20 bucks. Well, all I have is 100. Well, I don't have any change. Yeah. But the pro- your problem is still your problem. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? So, I still have the water. Yeah, I still have you the water. You still want it. So this water just became $100 for you because I can't make change. Sorry. Yeah. So, yes, that, that's why I said I keep it in small denominations. Oh, yeah. Even in my in my wallet, I keep some ones, keep some fives, keep some tens. You know, like I keep smaller bills in case I just need something small. It's more for convenience than anything else, but also from that emergency perspective. Oh, yeah. I always want to have a little small base. Hey, it's $5, it's $10, it's $20, it's $4, right? Yeah. I don't want to have to spend more than I need to spend. Yeah. And, and people are so excited about all this cashless stuff, but they don't know what's coming. I can guarantee more fees are down the oh, road. Yeah. Remember the world of ATMs, right? We could go to the ATM, and it was no cost. When I was a kid, we had an ATM card. And you'd go to the ATM. It only worked in the ATM. You'd go to the ATM. You would draw cash, and then we just carried cash around. And we paid cash for everything. There was no debit cards. And they had credit cards, but there were no debit cards. And then... Once everyone started using ATMs, well, now we don't need tellers as much anymore. So banks reduced their staffs, banks shut down locations, and then, surprise, they started fees. charging fees because they they lured you into using the service. So now everyone's all excited about, oh, hey, cashless is so free, and oh, look at look at Venmo. We can transfer money back and forth freely. Oh, isn't this awesome? And then slowly over time... Fees. Well, even we PayPal talking- started free slowly over time. Fees, right? All these things that were digital currency type stuff, um, that cashless society concept, slowly they charge fees. And more and more and more, you're seeing people charging fees for card transactions. It's hit, I know several uh, companies, and, and honestly, we've thought about doing this ourselves. I know several com- companies, even that we do business with, that charge extra for credit card transactions. Yep. And the reason being is you used to be able to offset some of your credit card transactions with cash, you know, because you got enough cash transactions that kind of offset it to an extent. But nowadays, especially with services like ours where everyone's pre-registering and all that, we hardly receive any cash at all. It's very rare for us to get cash from a client. I'm, I'm yeah. more than happy to accept cash from clients. I love it. But it's it's a very rare thing. Now everyone's cards, cards, cards. Well, now that all we get is cards, 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 and we don't really get cash anymore, I'm just eating these fucking fees as a yeah. business. We're just eating these fees, right. and they keep going up. Mm-hmm. And and so and it's a little bit of time, a little bit of time, a little bit of time. Okay, well, now we're charging. You know, It's the fee plus. Like a lot of people don't know, when, when we take a credit card payment, let's say for a class, we get hit for the transaction itself. It's like 40 cents or whatever for the actual transaction plus the percentage. Right. And then sometimes if it's different types of cards, we get hit different types of percentages. And those little fees, they just keep incrementally going up and up and up and up and up. It's like, I have to, I can't just eat that. So then that gets passed on the consumer. So for the convenience of, you know, using your card, you are paying these fees. You may not know about it. When that soda went from a dollar to a dollar fifty, you're like, oh well, normal price increase. No, dude, they're charging that fifty cents because you're using your fucking card. Right. That's why there's so many places that used to be would give cash discounts. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, I 
I don't give cash discounts. I uh, used to, when we were very, very first in business, I would give some cash discounts. Now I don't because we so rarely get cash. But there used to be places you'd go like, walk in and go, hey, oh, it's $1,000, but it's only $900 you buy with cash. Pawn shops are a great example of that. If you go in there and you try and like, hey, what's the best you can do on this? And they're like, it's 380 bucks if mm. you pay with card, but I'll give you 300 if you pay with cash. Mm. You know what I mean? And so the point is, carry some fucking cash around because you don't know when you might need it. And th this situation that happened down in Australia is a perfect example of what happens in a cashless society when uh, you can't fucking buy anything. What if you need gas right now? What if your kid needs that medicine right now? What if you need more toilet paper right now? And you can't fucking get it because you don't have cash. Yeah. So if, And you don't have to have a ton of money. I understand some people listening are like, well, dude, I can't afford to keep – a thousand or two thousand dollars on hand in cash. That's okay. Keep twenty bucks. Yeah. Just keep enough that you could go get like your daily essentials. That that's generally where I tell people to start. You got to start somewhere, right? Start with your daily essentials. What do you buy every day? What do you need every day? Do you need this medication or you know what do you need to survive every day? And then take that much cash and put it in your safe. Yeah. And carry some of it with you. That way, God forbid something happens and you need cash. <clears throat> you've got that capability. They shut off your fucking bank account tomorrow. Yeah. Cool. You could have a hundred grand sitting in your bank account. Awesome. Can't touch it. If they fucking shut it off, you can't get it. But if I've got that, you know, some money set aside in the safe, your goal, I would say to have in a safe would be a minimum of three months worth of living. So whatever it takes you to live for a month, make it a goal to eventually get up to three months. Right now it might be one day and that's okay. But over time, putting that money, that cash in that safe. And it's tempting because people are like, well, my cash doesn't do anything for me if it's just sitting as cash. So I'm going to invest it in this fund and then I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to buy this or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that or whatever. And it's very tempting because you get benefits from doing that. That's how they lure you into using cards more. Right. These cashback cards and travel mile cards and all that. It's like, use your cards, use your cards, use your cards. And, you know, if I go down and I buy something in cash, I don't get any benefit typically now that no one's really giving discounts anymore. I don't really get any benefit from using cash. But hey, if I use my card, I'm going to get cash back or I'm going to get, which isn't kind of a misnomer because it's not actually cash back, right. you know, and I'm going to get travel miles or whatever. Yeah. So it's return. more things to lure you into using cards. I think it, it's also a good way to track people too. That, yeah. Oh, that's the it's, ultimate goal right, of What I was yeah. just about to say is signature it's, management, even it puts you right there, right then on that track yeah. transaction. Yeah. And banks look at that too, because the way that they can articulate them tracking you is for your safety yeah. in case someone steals your card and yeah. goes out of state or whatever. But ultimately really what it is, is just a tracking system. Yeah. If I mean, if I buy gas in Phoenix and I buy gas in Flagstaff, then I buy gas in Albuquerque. Okay. The bank's looking and going, the mm -hmm. guy's driving down right. the I-40, you know, he yeah. took the 17 to the 40. I mean, they may not know that exactly, but they know I'm traveling. Right. And then if I buy gas in Albuquerque and then all of a sudden I buy gas in Tallahassee, Florida, they're like, what the fuck? Whoa. There's no mm -hmm. way he got from here to there, in you know? So let's ask him because, hey, maybe he paid in cash. Maybe he used a different card. We don't know, but what yeah. the fuck just happened? And that's usually when they caught, hey, there's been weird fraud. You know, every time I get called for fraud, I always ask the same question. Why did you guys call me? Yeah. And they're always just like, oh, well, your account got flagged. Why? Why? Oh, it's because I'm traveling. Like sometimes that'll happen. We'll travel uh, and – and the card will get shut off, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I go to use it and they're like, hey, your card's not working. It's like, fuck, I call them up and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got flagged for this because, you know, you bought fuel 
three times in a row. Like sometimes I'll do that. I'll buy fuel for my truck and then I'll buy fuel for Drew's Ford. And like literally within, we'll both pull up to the gas station. I swipe mine for his, swipe mine for, for mine. And within 30 seconds, it's getting hit twice at a gas pump. Sometimes that'll trigger it. Yeah. And if I'm away from home, if I'm around home, they never give a shit. But if I'm away from home yeah. and I tick, tick, tag them both, they ask me. Like we took a family trip to Colorado earlier this year and uh, <clears throat> just a couple months ago. And, you know, uh, or no, it wasn't Colorado. Mexico. And uh, we were headed down to Mexico and bloop, bloop, I swiped my card oh, twice yeah. and the bank was on the phone with me in like 30 seconds. Like, hey, this is you, right? Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, that's me. So it's nice. But again, that's, it's cool. That's a cool service. Makes me feel good. But it could definitely be weaponized. But I'm being tracked. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And you know? think that the government can step in at any point in time and request any of those documents. 100%. And so, they can just shut your ass down. Yeah. With zero resistance, yep. too. Yeah. And they can just go, turn the bank account off. Yep. And it's turned off now, and I can't access it. It doesn't matter how much money you have now because it's fucking ones and zeros, and it's not a real physical thing. And that's another reason why I do like having a small amount of precious metals on my person, but then also like acquiring them over time. Just like maybe, you know, get an ounce here, an ounce there, because if we see like Venezuela hyperinflation, mm-hmm. even if you kept cash, right? Like let's say you have two grand in the safe. Well, now we enter a state of hyperinflation. Well, that cash is still worth, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a fraction or mm-hmm. a quarter even of what it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So having those physical yeah. objects <clears throat> that you can barter with, trade with are super, super important. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Precious metals, tradable items, small, small values of things. Yeah. We do a whole show about it. But oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Something some to think about in our new cashless society. All right. Independence training gear moment. All things, even guns, break. Have a backup plan. We were teaching a big defensive handgun class this last weekend, and uh, we had a – I know this is going to shock some of you. We had a 1911 break. But uh, <clears throat> I know, no shocker, way. it didn't work. So we had a very nice Kimber, you know, uh, small subcompact 1911 just fucking come from together. And, you know, we lost a firing pin out of it, firing pin spring, extractor came out, firing pin block came out. Uh, the whole fucking thing fell apart, right? So we were able to find some of the parts. We weren't able to find other parts. Now, here's the reality. So Gabe, I remember, was walking this student through a, a moving and shooting exercise and just kaplunk. Yeah, the gun just came into a million pieces. So right there in the middle of that situation, gun dead. And this is kind of leads into something Gabe was talking about earlier with if everything, you know, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And that's just simply what happened here. This guy's staring at his gun going, well, fuck, this is a shooting exercise. And I can no longer shoot. Yeah. So have a backup plan. Like, Make sure that, one, you properly maintain your guns, you test them really well, you're, you're confident with them, but all things break. Yeah. Even the really nice things. Even the really nice things. Even the really well-maintained things. They just break sometimes. Things just go wrong. Yeah. Something just doesn't work properly. Have a backup plan. Whether that's a second gun, that might be an option for some of you. Whether that's other skill sets whether that's other weapons, whatever it may be, have a backup plan. I, what I don't want to have happen is I'm in the middle of a fight, let's say, and my gun goes down for whatever reason. And I am so shocked by the fact that it broke. I keep trying to get it to work, trying to get it to work, trying to get it to work. And I can't get it to work. Meanwhile, I'm still getting shot, still getting stabbed, still getting beat up, whatever, because <clears throat> I'm so fixated on this thing. You want to get used to this idea that all things break. So if my shit breaks, I'm just like, fuck that. Get rid of that thing and keep on going with the fight. Yep. That's an important thing to be able to understand. So don't think that whatever cool thing you have is somehow 
beyond capability of breaking. So Independence Training Gear Moment brought to you by trainingaz.com. All right, our topic for the week. Finally got to it after all that news. Hmm. Uh, what is called sut, but also smut. Hmm. And now we jokingly say slut, all right, for the average responder. So <clears throat> sut for the average responder, we're talking about um, small unit tactics, all right? Smut is also a thing, uh, but it cracks me up that the military uses the acronym SMUT, so I like to use the acronym SLUT, which I just come up with my own shit for, because I can still use unit tactics. No matter what, UT is unit tactics, so you can just add whatever in front of that that you fucking want. So I th- uh, SMUT is a special, small small mission unit tactics. Isn't that it? So we always said SMUT, which we said the SM was for small. For small. Like you see on a t-shirt. Yeah. And it was <laughs> unit tactics training. Yeah, UT. So no matter yeah. what, and it's yours is TT, right? Yeah, yeah so, TT. So SM. for such, just, you know, small, small unit, unit tactics. tactics. Training. Just keep it fucking easy, right? Yeah. So now SLUT, I'm deciding, is, what did we come up with? Special leadership unit tactics. Yeah. There you go. And basically, you can just fucking say whatever you want, okay? But what we're talking about here is some unit tactics. So for the average responder, we're not going to talk about infantry unit stuff here right now, but we're going to apply that to this. The first things I think you have to add right out of the gate, and I've seen some interesting posts on this recently on the old Instagram, is context. I believe the average American needs to know infantry tactics. They just also need to be taught them in a way that's contextualized. Because if I take Gabe and and turn him loose on you guys and go, okay, yeah, Gabe's going to teach you guys a class on infantry tactics. You're not going to be able to apply the majority yeah, of it. Yeah, 90%. Because there's all, all kind. you're not going to have access to the all the shit. You're not going to have access to all the people. You don't have access to all that. So the first thing we have to do is contextualize this. So how can we contextualize using small unit tactics? So I think contextually it needs to be realistic. Like as far as gear and equipment, like what are your capabilities? Are you working in a team-based environment? Because that broadens things up greatly, right? If it's you, your brother, and your two friends, okay, cool, now I have a fire team. We mm-hmm. do a lot with that, right? What equipment do you have? That's going to greatly determine how much you're able to achieve, right? Do I have, as far as shooting goes, like fully automatic weapon systems, right? Do I have night scene capabilities? Those all are going to change your capabilities greatly. So make it realistic, Um because if it's not, and you're, you're just wasting your time, right? If your kit is set up with, you know, things that are designed to be grabbed by a team member, but you aren't working in a team, well, they just don't need to be there, mm. right? Or if you have a pouch for X thing, but you don't even have X thing, then why do you have it there? You know what I mean? Like f- common one, flashbang pouches on the back of the flak. Okay, are you working in a team-based environment? No, I'm not. Do you have flashbangs? No. Then why do you have it there? Mm. Right? So can... Context is going to be everything with this, 100%. And from, like, I think, I believe that there is a context for the average person to need small unit tactics. Like we were just talking about, I see, okay, I can use tactics with Drew. I can use tactics with my kids. If Gabe and I are out getting lunch today and something happens, I can use small unit tactics to just get back to the vehicle. Yeah. To just, if we're in an airport flying somewhere and Jihadi John shows up and wants to fucking blow the place up or whatever and we need to leave I need to make sure that I can keep my eyes on my people I can communicate effectively we're maximizing our visibility we don't just want to get in a fucking straight line and go running with the masses like we need to consider 
some basic unit tactics. Yeah. I've, I've told the story before, but I think it bears mentioning here. Uh, I've told it on the show, I mean, where years and years ago, I was at LAX trying to fly home from a training. I was there with one of the guys, and uh, there was uh, an active shooter threat. Turned out to be nothing, but there was a threat. And so they shut the whole fucking place down, and the masses were losing their mind. I mean, people were getting trampled, people trying to get out of certain areas where they thought the shooter was and all this kind of crazy shit. Without some understanding of basic unit tactics and how to interact with each other in an environment like that, me and and the other guy that was with me would, would not have done well in that environment. We might have got separated. Uh, we wouldn't have had good communication. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have been able to find a, a, an appropriate position to be in. I mean, for all intents and purposes, while we're there, I'm like, look, I don't hear any gunfire or anything, but I'm not going to fucking die as an active shooter yeah. or in an active shooter situation and, and fucking LAX. So, like, we need to find a place to, you know, hole up. Like, we're just using basic tactics and techniques here. So don't think that this is only for some red dawn parachuting kind of, you know, into the, into your backyard kind of shit. This is, I need to move effectively through a parking lot after I've gone grocery shopping. People don't think of unit tactics. It's like when I'm last night, we went on a, a bike ride with the kids. I'm teaching them in a way, unit tactics as we are riding our bikes over miles and miles of city terrain and crossing streets and do, you know communicating and doing all that kind of stuff. I'm teaching them about how this works, basic stuff that I can then take those concepts and I can apply them to other lessons that I teach them in a more contextual way. So I think it's important that people understand there is a real world context here for understanding small unit tactics. And let's not forget, and every time some military guy, and I'll, and I'll say this, especially in case any of you guys say this. Anytime some mill dude starts in with this whole civilians don't need, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You're a fucking civilian. You simple-minded, smooth-brained lizard idiot. You are a fucking civilian. Jesus Christ. You're not above everyone else because you are in the military or were in the military. Civilians don't need, shut the fuck up, yeah, dude. Don't act like these pubs aren't open source information that... I can literally pull up every single pub right now on Google. Yeah, like every single one of them. And I can look them all up. And also consider this. Who organized the Revolutionary War? Oh, could it have been... Regular people? Civilians? Who's organizing militias? Civilians, for the most part. Who's organizing rebellions? Who's organizing revolutions? It's pretty much civilians. Yeah. And if you're a prior service dude, especially you are a civilian. You are no longer in the military. You are a civilian. So should you not know it? Should we extract it from your brain? You yeah. shouldn't know it? No, bro, I was in. I earned the right. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, fucking teach people. You're not Time the f- for a lot of lobotomies. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're not the you're not the fucking guardian. <laughs> yeah, either way, but. You're not the guardian <laughs> of knowledge. You know what I mean? You don't you don't get to choose what people should and shouldn't know. I think people should know everything. You want to know how to disarm a nuclear bomb? I think that information should be available to you. Well, what about safety and security? No, dude. Safety and security is always, always, always bought. If it's being provided to you from someone else, safety and security is purchased with your liberty. Yeah. It is always purchased with your liberty. It is always purchased with your freedom. Always. Every fucking time. If that safety and security is being provided to you by somebody else, you are giving up something to get that. Gun-free zones. Yeah, you're always giving up something to get that. Yep. And so I think, in my opinion, everybody should know everything. So let's just get that out of the way. So I want to be realistic about my opposition. Now, my opposition could include Russian paratroopers. I don't fucking know. That's a possibility. Yeah. It's not out of the realm of possibility. It's a low probability. But foreign forces invading American soil is not that fucking far off the map. 
if you think they aren't already here in some way, shape, or form, you are wrong. Very, very wrong. And all they need to do is organize. Yep, and that's all it takes. And if you don't think there's an organization plan where it's, hey, execute whatever, and it's go time, <clears throat> you're very wrong. Espionage, like deep entrenched espionage on the U.S. has been going on forever. Oh, yeah, always. Look at half the graduates from tech schools. Mm. They're sent here from China to learn stuff and then bring it back. Or they mm -hmm. stay here and they get big jobs working at tech places. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might not look like the guy's falling in from the sky, but it's the same exact mm -hmm. thing, just in a different different <clears throat> package. You know what I mean? So you think of that, right? Think of your opposition. All right, so maybe it's a bomber. I uh, I remember what's the, the opening scene in Sicario 2 <clears throat> where they're, they're walking into that yeah, freaking grocery, grocery store. store and blow it up, right? It's like... <clears throat> okay, so you find yourself in a situation like that. There's unit tactics that need to be applied here. It, I don't care if you're trying to take down the bomber or if you're trying to get the fuck out the back door. There's a basic understanding of unit tactics that need to exist here. So the next question I want to ask myself after I figure out my, who my opposition really is, is the personnel. Who am I going to have access to? Is it me and Gabe and, you know, three of our guys? Okay, that's one entirely different set of protocols than – me and Drew and my kids. That's a totally different fucking world. Yeah. So who realistically are my personnel? And that this kind of fits into, you know, what Gabe was talking about with like, yeah, we see these guys with these rigs on that have, you know, flashbang pouches on me. Like, do you have any flashbangs? No. Do okay. you have anyone to throw them for you? Yeah. So like, why do you have flashbang? Like I have a carrier set up with a flashbang pouch on the rear, legitimately. Why? Because some of the work I professionally do includes team-based environments where right. people pull flashbangs off my fucking carrier and throw them, right? right. That's the only reason I fucking have it. If it was the end of the world, that thing's going to have some flashbangs in it. And am I going to be operating in a team-based environment? Yeah. Drew might be right next to me. Also, if I'm kitted up, she's going to be fucking kitted up. Right. And I may need her to throw something. So that's a realistic thing for me. I also have access to those kinds of tools. Yeah. You may not. So consider realistically personnel and the next part is equipment. What realistic equipment are you going to have access to? And that's why we, I said earlier, we could sit down and teach you all kinds of cool infantry tactics and stuff like that, but 90% of it's not going to be applicable. And it's not because civilians don't need to know this. It's because you don't have fucking airstrike capability. Yeah, you don't have... You don't have tanks. You don't have the M203s. Thousands of rounds for a sport by fire position. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? You don't have all the access to the shit that you're really going to need in order to do these tactics effectively. Yeah. I, want, I want to look at the environment that I'm likely going to be operating in. You know, I was getting dressed this morning and I was kind of chuckling to myself because I'm like, dude, it's November and I'm putting on shorts. Yeah. It's the middle of November and I'm wearing shorts today here. That's not everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's a lot oh, of places no. here. It's cold as fuck. Oh, yeah. Right? So I, my tactics are going to be affected by the environment. Am I going to have to push through snow to make this happen? Yep. Am I pushing through constant rain, humidity? All these things are going to affect overall the capability of me and my quote-unquote team. Right. Yeah. And the, the last three things kind of all go together uh, that I have on my list here, which is sustainability, logistics, and support. So overall sustainability, like you may be able to start a coup, let's say, but how long can you sustain that? Yeah. Like it's what's your long-term – It's insanely difficult to sustain that because you've got logistics and support that you have to consider. Yep. Like what's, what's your beans, bullets, and bandages plan? What, yep. what's, what's your plan for all that? And that stuff is, is, is very difficult to make happen mm. 
in the civilian setting. There, it's like, okay, yeah, we have access to everything. Everything is free. Mm. There's not a price tag on anything. Mm. But out here, there is. So it, you can't have this grand idea of, oh, well, I'm going to do this mm. and that, and this is how it's going to go. But you can't support that. And mm. even if you, let's say you do get it to the point where you want it, okay, now how are you going to continue to support it? You know, once the food starts going mm. and the bullets start running dry mm. and the water, mm. the fuel, what's your plan for that? You know what I mean? So a lot of times when you have conversations with people and they have their kind of end of the world plan, mm. it's very unrealistic. In my head, I'm like, okay, well, by day three, you're out of fuel. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to drive up to here, my land, and but okay. Where are you getting Good fuel? Good luck. Yeah. Good you, luck getting out of the city. And then you yeah. show up and someone else has already occupied it because someone else yeah. already knew about your little cabin. So now someone else is already occupying it. What's next? Yeah. How are you going to get them now out Now you use the small unit tactics. Yeah. Okay. So then I hit them with some small unit tactics. Well, guess what? You get in fights. Sometimes you get hurt. Yep. So now I've taken back my cool bug out location cabin up in the mountains, but two of my people are injured. Yeah. Now so, how are we going to keep them alive? So now I got to deal with that fucking process. shit. And I can't just take them to the hospital because remember, we are un- that's already gone now. That's yeah. gone now. So it's like there, there's a lot of sustainability things that people aren't considering. So for me, let's break it down to contextual stuff. Look at like reloads. Just simple pistol shit, right? I carry a handgun. Drew carries a handgun. We carry different handguns mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis. She carries a Smith & Wesson shield. I carry a Glock 26. Totally different handguns. Different magazines. Same ammunition. Yeah. But that's not really a viable option. But our primary loadouts for like real-world shit. Same gun. Same gun. Yeah. Same rifle. She loves AKs. Primary loadout is an AR. Yeah. Why? Because we're be fucking using ARs. That's why. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we're set up in a, in a particular situation where she can, you know, grab her AK and go, yeah, if it's home defense, when I'm out of town, Drew pulls the AK out of the safe and she would prefer to keep the AK with her than the AR. That's fine. That's a limited situation. She's going to need one magazine. But now her and I and you and three of our, four of our other guys need to go do some real world shit. Yeah, having an AK in the mix is going to be a motherfucking logistical nightmare. Yeah. You know? Yep. So, hey, we've all got ARs. We've all got 5.56 five, five, ammo. It's fucking should all switch works. to AKs. Yeah, that ain't <laughs> Yeah, we're just going to all switch to AKs <laughs> just for Drew. Just for Drew. Yeah. We're all I switching. I think that's legitimate. <laughs> it's a legitimate compromise. I think if you were trying to get started with small unit training, because it can be very difficult, because we just laid yeah. a lot of stuff out There's there. There's a lot of shit you got to consider. Know? And a lot yeah. of not negative stuff, but mm. I think kind of the the realistic hard stuff that everyone needs to hear. But if you were going to start, I would start with shooting tiny bit. Yeah. Very small moving. amount of shooting. And when I say move, I don't mean like physically moving. When I say moving, I'm thinking about patrolling, observation, counter-observation techniques, signature mm-hmm. management. Those are all realistic things that you can practice literally by yourself or with you and a buddy. Hey, we're going to go on this patrol. You know, we want to pick out three things once we get to this hilltop and we want to set up a little hide site. And we want to practice, you know, glassing, you know, because there are proper observation techniques, Mm. right? So we want to practice that. Hey, I'm going to go over on this mountain. I want you to tell me how well you can see me. Okay, I'm going to try some counter-observation techniques. Now how well can you see me? That's small unit training, right? Navigation. Get the map. Get the protractor. Get the compass out. Mm. Plot some points. Have your buddy check them. Those are easy things to do. Realistic TDGs, which are tactical decision games, literally just require... At the most base level, a piece of paper and a story you come up with in your head and you mm. give it to a buddy and say, how would you do this? Mm. I give, give you five minutes. Mm. Tell me how you would do this. There's a really awesome uh, 
Instagram account. I'm trying to remember what it is where they do those. Yep. They, they put up TDGs and they basically are like, okay, here's the map. Here's the situation. Here's all the known factors. Go. What would you do? Yep. And those are great. Those are super, mm. super invaluable lessons that you can learn. And it literally just requires a quick drawn out map, a whiteboard, sandbox, mm. whatever. And you can do TDGs anywhere mm. with anything. And they're simple to do like, you know, in we refer to that as hip pocket training, right? If I'm standing around, kind of not doing anything else, like, boom, we can do TDGs right now. It's yep. like, all right, so we only have a lot to do right now, guys. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Uh, I'm going to, yeah, draw in the fucking sand. Hey, so who's got a piece of paper or whatever? Pull out your fucking handy-dandy notebook that everyone should be carrying or have access to easily. Pull out that notebook, flip it open, and be like, all right, guys, check this out. Let's say... Uh, we're moving, drawing as I'm talking, right? Okay, there, we're moving down this canyon, and uh, we end up finding a suspicious device. Yeah. Go. It can be that simple. Give you three minutes. Yep. Three minutes to figure out everything we're going to fucking do next. Yep. It can be that fucking simple. You can do it with your kids. You're probably already doing this. You may just not know you were doing it. But but if you're not doing it, you can kind of up the level of it where you go, okay, kids, like, we actually have to do one. We're doing one today with the kids when we get home that's talking about a recent event where a kid was almost nabbed at a school mm. and then uh, kind of going a little bit more in depth about reminding our kids about this. So it's like instead of going, don't talk to strangers, that's not going to work. Don't take candy from anybody. Well, we do that on Halloween, right? Like, we break <laughs> our own rules all the time, so we yeah. can't just say don't do – don't ever get in a car with anyone. No, there's times where that's okay, you know, yeah. so it's – Instead, you give them a tactical decision game or TDG where you go, all right, here's, here's this scenario, guys. You're walking home from school. This van pulls up next to you. Guy leans out and says, hey, have you seen my dog? It was a little white puppy. You haven't seen a white puppy. Go. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's all you give him. That's all you give him. Like, that, okay, go. What, what are you, you going to do next? Are you going to tell him you haven't seen a white puppy? Are you going to talk to this person? How close are you going to get to the van, right? Now we're looking for those kinds of decisions right. that they're making. And then as you point those decisions out, then afterwards they go, oh, shit. Like, I'm not really thinking about it in detail like that. Yep. Well, my kids probably are saying, oh, shit. Actually, my kids probably are saying, oh, shit. <laughs> but they're, you know, they're not, they may not necessarily processing it. And the more TDGs you do, the more that by the fifth, sixth time, you're like, all right, what happens? And they're, they're going to start asking more questions. Yep. Well, what does the guy look like? How close am I to the van? Is it daytime? Is it nighttime? And they, those are those things that mm -hmm. we need to be processing in real life. And that's why I love TDGs because mm -hmm. you give them minimal information mm -hmm. and it forces them to think about what they're not getting. Mm -hmm. So they start asking you, yep. how close are we? How far is this? You know, what do I have? And that transfers into real life, them thinking those things. Like it clicks <clears throat> right there and then. And that's why I love them. Uh, kind of a funny story, but so we had a buddy – who is staying in a hotel, very nice hotel in California with his girlfriend. Mm. And we had told him that he was, you know, going to hang out with us the whole weekend. We made these plans all week. Then his girlfriend flew in. Mm. And so we're like, well, let's mess with this guy a little bit, our buddy. And so like, well, we know he's staying in a nice hotel. What should we do? And we're like, well, let's try and like kidnap him mm. for fun, you know, just to mess with him. This is really bad, but this is what we did. And I still have the paper. Mm. We literally drew out, you know, the hotel and all this stuff and – Next thing you know, the three of us, it's like op planning right there and then. Mm. We're drawing, hey, you're going to pull in here and then at this time, mm. blah, 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 blah. And we ended up messing with it. But it's like those are all skills that we learned, mm. but they were applied <clears throat> to something completely not contextual to how we learned them. And that's kind of the same thing with the small unit training. It's like it might not be, you know, messing with your buddy, but maybe we're in a grocery store, right, and we get lost. You know, you could tell the kids, hey, we're at the store and you get separated from us. Go. 
Yeah, what's next? You know, what do you do? <clears throat> and you, you want your people, kids, family, friends, people that you're playing TDGs with, to get in the habit of asking questions and getting more information that you're willing to get, you know? Yeah. I used to have this TDG I would do many, many years ago uh, for all the, all, all the young guys I hung out with uh, and spent time with. And I would say, <clears throat> all right, guys, we've got a little time here. I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to figure out the answer. And the question, only for new guys because once you know it, you know it, is I would go, a man is pushing his car past a house, and he smiles. Why does he smile? And there is a decision-making question-based process that allows you to figure out the answer of why the guy smiles when he pushes his car past the house but there's a lot of fucking information and people's minds have to start going places yeah. to try to figure out what the fuck like why would why does this even matter and it actually matters like the whole thing matters mm -hmm. but you have to get to that point and it's a that's a, a less like cool tactical game to play and more of just kind of a like why why does this matter it's more yeah, of like an intel exercise. gathering exercise so you can use those things as well. It doesn't always have to be super tactical, super dynamic, whatever. It can just be a thinking game. And that's where people start to explore and discover more tactics. Yeah. So I have three concepts that I think people should really focus on when they're, when they're thinking about applying things like SUT to their lives. And that is, one, better communication. Communication devices as well as overall communication. Hand signals code words, drop codes, all of it, right? Running passwords, daily passwords, all that kind of stuff that you can incorporate into your life. It's really fucking easy to do, you know? So basic communication enhancement and get, being over-communicating with people. You have good tactics if you over-communicate. Mm -hmm. you no, know, Drew can tell you I'm notorious. I over-communicate. Drew never has to wonder what I'm thinking. You know, what I mean? <laughs> so I over-communicate all the fucking time because at part of my tactical plan, and this is legitimate, part of my tactical plan is I want my people to know everything that I'm fucking doing yeah. at all fucking times. Yeah. Because if I'm thinking of something, I want them to know I'm thinking of this. Yeah. I want them to know what's going on with me at all fucking times because that helps them make better decisions about the tactics that they may have to employ in their life to stay alive. And I think communi communication is the breakdown of everything. You know, I'm sure you could think of a million examples where communication goes out the window and just things start to go terribly bad. And then contextualizing it, you know, it might be, hey, it's over there. Okay, well, over there is not a location. Mm. So, like, learning how to communicate better if we are <clears throat> in, you know, a team-based environment or if it's just me and you. Because if it's me and you driving down the road and we see something weird, it, both of us would probably notice it. But mm. if you didn't, I call it out to you. I'm not mm. just going to be like, oh, Glenn, over there, look at that. So understanding how to communicate properly is I think super important. Important Not only that it happens to be one of my b biggest pet peeves mm -hmm. is when someone's like, oh, it's over there. And I'm like, over there is not a location. Mm -hmm. Please give me more. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's a super important skill. You know what I mean? And so I, the next one of my kind of top three concepts here is uh, like general overland movement with, I call it with coverage, right? Or basically the bounding concept, right? So bounding overwatch, 
is the ability to move and maintain coverage for your partner or partners or teams or whatever who are also moving. So that's basic bounding overwatch as a tactic. You should be doing the same thing with your general plan. Sorry. You. Um, you should do that with your general plan when you're just moving around normally and just have more coverage. Yeah. So I think people notice really simple things in, and this is kind of overall preparedness, but you could say this kind of lumps into this concept. It's like if someone's getting gas, if I'm with someone and they're getting fuel, I don't stay in the vehicle. Mm -hmm. I'm always outside the vehicle, usually at a different angle than they are. Because what does that main, help me maintain? More coverage, right. right? I have more coverage. I'm sitting in a car. My coverage is minimal. No. So if someone, you know, I'm with someone and they're like, hey, I got to stop and get gas. Cool. They hop out. I hop out. I, I get at a different angle than them. I'm not necessarily very far away from them. It may not be at the other side of the car or the other end of the car, but I have, I can see something they can't. And if we're moving, you know, as we're, Drew and I go hiking or we don't, we don't the way I move, the way I, I do everything is I'm just trying to maximize my coverage. Yeah. And it's just to, to practice that all the time. So practicing realistic things like bounding with your people is important. If, if we're in, go back to that, you know, crazy LAX story I had, you know, me and, and my guy were, we were 100% as we moved, we were bounding. Yeah. I would move, I would look, I would give him the thumbs up clear. He would move, he would look, he would give me the thumbs up clear. And we used that technique to get to where we were trying to fucking go, which luckily didn't have to go very far. We had to, like less than 100 yards to get to a secured location. But, but still, how easy was that for you to do? Fucking simple. Exactly. You know? And so the point being is that capability of good movement. Yeah. And then my last of the concepts that you already mentioned is is observation and, and the ability to play. I mean, we've talked about observation games on here before. We, we, there's a thousand things to be able to do, both observation and counter-observation. Okay, how do I see things? How do I find things? Paying attention to the way that I found them and the way that I saw them and then countering that observation using not do those things. Yeah, anti-methods, yeah. right? So it's like, oh, I saw because of the glint, I need to remove glint. Oh, I saw because the colors didn't match, I need to make sure that I color match. Oh, I saw because he was in the sun, I need to spend more time in the shadows, et cetera, et cetera. So typical observation games, of which we've talked about on the show at length. But those are the three things I was thinking people want to get better at unit tactics contextually to the average responder. They need to practice and improve their communication practice and improve their movement over terrain with coverage and practice um, their observation capabilities. Yeah. I think to contextualize it, you know, a lot of these things are strictly, you know, infantry black and white tactics, right? Like the coverage thing. Mm. It's not always shooting, right? Mm. Like you said, it's observation. If you and I are walking through a store and we're walking down, you know, a bunch of aisles in the back of my mind, I kind of know like, yeah, Glenn's probably looking at the left side because I'm on his right side and my job is, you know, taking in what's on the right side. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have that in the back of your mind thought because mm -hmm. we both have been doing this. We know these kinds of concepts. But if you don't have that, I think that'd be a really good place to start. You know, just how are you going to take these things and put them in your daily life? Mm -hmm. Because then they'll become second nature. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so that's... Overall, the things that I think people ought to be working on conceptually, mm -hmm. that's, that will improve their tactics. Because here's the thing, people, I've had students hit me up all the time, and I'm going to talk about this at the end of the show, uh, of something we're kind of doing about this. But 
I have people hit me up, okay, can you teach me and my team tactics? Can you teach this? Can you teach that? And we've taught some stuff, like usually out with a bang, just same as this year. Uh, we're doing out with a bang where we are doing team communication and movement. And we've done that in the past. We're mixing it up and doing it slightly different this year. But the point being is we have taught this stuff. Do you know the people who do the best? The people who can move efficiently, the people who can communicate yeah. the best, and the people who have good observation capabilities. And in, in this year's event, it's going to be very, very particular to those three needs. But – if you have those capabilities, then you're going to improve your overall tactical performance. Right. Um, if you don't have those things, I, I can teach you all the cool tactics and all the cool formations and all the cool everything, and you're not, you can't communicate well, you can't fucking move, and you can't observe shit. I, I can't fucking help you. Yeah. You know? Because that's the foundation of all of it from the other side, right? Shoot, move, communicate. Yep. You do those things, three things well. Yeah. You've got a pretty good chance of, you know, winning whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. So there's three, I would say, quote unquote, infantry specific or tactically specific things that I think people should learn how to do. The average citizen uh, should learn how to do these three very specific things because you might fucking need them. And you might need them in self-defense and you might need them in homeland defense. An L-shaped ambush. It's a cornerstone of American pie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you can execute a well-planned L-shaped ambush, you can get a lot of work done because you can turn that into a lot of other things. Yep. And so I think a good L-shaped ambush ought to be a goal. And if you're like, what the fuck is an L-shaped ambush? So there's this thing called Google. Go ahead and hop on that shit, all right? Or DuckDuckGo, whatever you want to use, all right? And get in there and fucking find out, all right? Like, uh, Gabe said there's lots of pubs or publications out there, lots of field manuals. And easy to fucking find this information out. So I think everyone should be able to do an L-shaped ambush. I think everyone should truly understand what a flank, an actual flanking maneuver is. Yeah. Everyone understands what it is generally, but there's a little bit more to it you probably need to know. And what, what indicates an effective flanking maneuver? Because you can turn a flank into a Polish ambush really fucking fast. Oh, yeah. And so it's really important <laughs> that you don't turn a flank into a fucking Polish ambush. There's a reason that an L-shaped ambush is an L, right? right? The so very, not, a, not a J, yeah. right? No, no J-shaped ambushes. Yeah. That's how you get killed. So, you know, we want a good flanking capability. And then the last thing I think everybody ought to be able to do is effectively move in formation. Yeah. Stagger column, ranger file, wedge, V. I think that's all you need. And basic, like some base, I mean, it goes in with that, but like basic hand and arm signals. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because the last thing. That goes back to communication. Yeah. Yeah. We want to be doing is maybe it's an environment mm -hmm. where we can't talk or mm -hmm. we don't want to talk. Like let's say active shooter, mm -hmm. right? We're, can't get any exit options and now mm -hmm. we're sheltering in place mm -hmm. and I see an exit option, but I don't want to communicate that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but I don't want to communicate that to everyone. Yeah. What's everyone going to do? They're going to bum rush that, yep. that spot, right? So me being true and, and honest right now, if I see that and I'm with somebody else, I don't want to have to be hoping that they understand what I'm motioning them. Mm -hmm. If we've pre-rehearsed that, like, mm -hmm. whatever it might be. <clears throat> I know you guys can't see what we're doing with our yeah. hands right now, but. Gabe's making hand signals. I'm doing hand and arm signals. Some of them are obscene. If, <laughs> if I can just give you that hand and arm signal, you know, like, okay, yeah. let's bounce. Oh. You know what I mean? And now not everyone... No, it's because everyone's going to be so sick, sucked in on and that's, shelter. And that's your observation capability, seeing the exit, yeah, again. your communication capability, telling me that there's a fucking exit, and then our ability to move over land with 
coverage, yep. right? Because now it's like, okay, we're going to go that way, and then we're going to signal to each other, okay, I'm going to be on the left, you're going to go on the right, or hey, well, let's file up, or whatever we need to do, you know, let's, let's fucking wedge this shit, let's V this, whatever we need to do to fucking make this happen. And there are benefits to even being in formation. Yep. You know, it's like there's a benefit when my kids don't know this, I don't tell them outright, but yeah, when we're riding bikes, I'm very specific about, depending on the time of day and the environment we're in, about where I put myself in the stack, as mm -hmm. it were, when we're riding our bikes. Yeah. Very specific. Driving. Mm -hmm. driving. Sometimes I'll, I'm willing to get ahead of them. Sometimes I have to be behind them. You know, last night we're basically, you know, we ride in a staggered column. Mm -hmm. And then if there's other people coming up, we always range or file to the right. Yeah. You know, they don't know that. They don't know what the fuck we're doing, but that's what we're fucking doing every goddamn time. Yeah. You know what and I mean? now you can say, <clears throat> hey, you know when we're riding our bikes and we do this? Mm -hmm. Now we're just going to do that, but walking. Yep. And, and now, like, guess what? Oh. You're patrolling. Yeah, look crazy... at you. You're patrolling. <laughs> and like last night, we were riding. We had to have a little quick hip pocket breakdown because it was like uh, Convo almost convoy up, convoy up, breakdown. <laughs> yeah, a little because we almost fucking slammed into each other because a, a rider came up on the left hand side. We were in a stagger column, and one of the dudes decided to at the last fucking minute turn that stagger column into a fucking file, nice. and he did not have enough space <laughs> to do that. So I was behind Drew. Uh, no one's behind me. I was I was uh, last man, and so he fucking slides in there. Drew slams on her brakes. I slam on my brakes. You know, damn near no one crashed, but it was pretty close. Fucking close, and uh, and I didn't spill a drop of beer. And I want to point that out because it's really important. The whole back end of my fucking bike came up, but that beer stayed fucking <laughs> perfectly level, baby. I fucking drop a spill a drop. But uh, the point being is, we had a quick little break. And I was like, all right, everybody gather up. Check this out. That was fucked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let me tell you, you've got to maintain a little bit more space using our observation, which is what we focused on with this last night. You knew that guy was coming for 100 fucking yards. Yeah. And you chose five yards away to change formation. Why the fuck would you do that? You know, got to keep eyes up. Got to keep eyes front. Got to be paying attention what the hell's going on. Someone's coming towards you. It's time to go ahead and start, you know, maneuvering into that, that formation. Yeah. So. They don't know that's what I'm training them to do right now because I don't want to blow their minds with it too much, but this is what I do. I mean, when we bike ride, I totally 100% utilize that. So this is my point. And how are we using these tactics, these small unit tactics? Well, we're using, in this case, to be safe while we ride our bikes. Yeah. We have a very specific method that we do when we cross streets. We have very specific things that we do. All we're teaching here is observation and movement over lane with coverage. Yeah. Shoot, move, communicate. So the more that we do this, the more they're used to it. Yeah. It's not such a foreign concept mm -mm. later on down the road. Yep. And it can be the same thing with you. It's easy to apply this kind of stuff. And you may already be doing it. You just kind of don't know you're doing it. And you can fine-tune it if you understand some of these concepts that we're talking about. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's not that crazy. So I wanted to, to tell you guys, and we mentioned on the show, I've told some other clients in person, uh, but I want to tell you guys on the show, we are putting together and have already run a, a test program us very successfully for some alumni only events that we are going to be doing that are going to focus very specifically on these concepts in uh, austere environments. I just like saying that That's word. A nice word. <clears throat> I love that That's fucking word. word. Um, and it's going to be invitation only. Your invitations are going to be based on your performance as a student in other programs. And your ability, your completion of very specific programs, uh, and then, of course, your ability to, to actually participate. So some people may be asked or invited and just may not be able to participate. That's okay. Uh, but they will be, for now, weekend events starting probably in January, maybe February, 
uh, that will be based on small unit tactics specifically. Like Gabe already said, minimal shooting for that, not necessarily yep. needed, but there will be some required shooting programs to be completed. Uh, we'll make our initial invitations. We already kind of have our initial list of invitations up and ready. We're just ready to, or kind of fine-tuning the program. But as soon as that happens, the only place it's going to happen is the alumni forum. So if you're listening to the show and you're like, oh, that sounds fucking cool. I want to go do that with those guys. You better go on the fucking alumni forum because it is literally the only place that we will be selecting students from is going to be their participation. We are looking very specifically for their levels of participation. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's important that if that's something you want, and we're not even going to tell you what the classes are, uh, there's going to be like a peer selection. It's just like in the military basically where one day you just get a cool fucking letter yeah. or a neat fucking phone call. So we're just going to wait for that. Uh, and then and once it's kind of more out in the open, then we'll tell people what the requirements are because we're going to be putting together – a few different programs for f different levels of people. Um, but I just want to let you guys know that this, we do believe honestly that this information should be uh, available to all armed responders. Everyone who may be called upon to defend the homeland uh, should know these tactics. We see what happened in Ukraine when people didn't know. They just mass dropped a whole bunch of guns off to people who didn't want to fucking load them. Yeah, and they got destroyed. And they got wrecked. Yeah. Even just a tiny bit of coordination and skill set would have gone a long, long way. And it, it sounds like, no, but they're getting invaded by a, a full-scale army. No. doesn't matter. Utilize guerrilla tactics, mm. coordinate mm. accordingly, and you'd be surprised what you can get done. So, fitness moment with Drew. So, what I have for you guys today is if you're injured, take the time off to heal. Because the more that you run on the injury, the worse the injury could get and or possibly stay there forever. Does this have anything to do with you having emphasis, to put the boot back on? Emphasis on the word run on the injury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not talking about me. The boot, the boot is back on. <laughs> I will say, though, it is important. You know, I, I injured uh, a, a previous injury, re-injured it at uh, softball last Thursday night. And uh, the very next day, uh, Gabe got to see my ass. And I brought my For physical, free, <laughs> my physical therapist in here. And, uh, and you know, it's a glute injury. Um and so a physical therapist came in, dry needled me, hooked me up to the little freaking electrical impulse thingy and, and helped me get back, you know, get that back. Uh, and that's important. It's important to take the time, but I would also say to put in the effort. Yeah. You know, this is one thing that I, I've always um, kind of admired about Drew is she is willing because she knows the long-term effects of things. She's willing to go, I can't do that. And it, it hurts her to not do it. She doesn't want to not run. But she's not doing it because she knows that if she lets the thing heal up, then she's going to be that much better for it instead of not letting it heal up. And then now she can't run as well or maybe as long or maybe at all. So that kind of stuff's important. Unless it's a race that I have to run in. Yeah. yeah. And then I take that. it off. Unless it's that. <laughs> so Fitness Moment with Drew brought to you by MRC McKellar Running Club Phoenix. Um 6.30 Monday nights at Chupacabra Tap Room in Mesa, 6.30 on Wednesday nights at Dad's Eatery in Scottsdale. Both different types of groups and both uh, lots of different skill sets. So you could walk, you could run, you could jog, you can do half the loops. Uh, we do them so that we basically run a 5K at each one, but you could run half of that. So you can basically run like a mile and a half because we do two loops or two laps around a very specific route. So that if you don't want to do the full three, you can do a mile and a half and nobody at the club cares. Everyone's just glad you came out. 
I heard uh, Gabe's running tonight too. Oh yeah, that's coming out. I'm not sure where you heard that from, mm. Drew, but mm. <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you can bring us out to train with you. Get hosting information via email info at trainingaz.com. Also, uh, for the, our Minnesota people, we are coming back to Minnesota February. Hold on, let me pull out calendar. Uh, February 9th, 10th, and 11th. We're going to be doing a uh, defensive carbine class on the 9th and then a winter survival uh, and kind of tactics training on the 10th and 11th with an overnight in the field. So uh, that registration is up on the website. It's, it, it's under special events. If you can't find it, just shoot us an email and we'll, uh, we'll send it over to you. But just for you guys listening who are from our Minnesota crew, there you go. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Arms Room Show, Independence Training, MRC Phoenix. We're proud members of the Heroes Media Group. Be sure to check out the other things that our network is doing. And next week, tying in a little bit of the last couple weeks into kind of one big show, we're going to be talking about Red Dawn. (laughs) What are you going to do if it happens right now? And obviously we're not specifically talking about Red Dawn, but everybody knows what the fuck Red Dawn is. And what happens if it happened right now what are your capabilities right now so we're going to be talking about that next week until next time stay aware stay safe and train hard you've been listening to the arms room